Hello, happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of the By Word Show. I'm so glad you're here. Really excited about this episode. It's one I've been looking forward to and one that I know is controversial, but I am super honored to have my friend Olivia Cowan with us here today to talk about abortion. And we were just talking before we hit record and I know this is a hard topic and it's a scary topic for a lot of people. It's a huge topic, but I feel like especially as believers, it's a conversation we need to be having. So we're not trying to push agenda today. We're not trying to start arguments. We really just want to equip you with truth and start a conversation. So let's just dive into it. Olivia, before we get started, would you just introduce yourself for those who don't know you yet? Yeah. Hi, I'm Olivia. Like she said, um, I'm a mom of two little kids married to my middle school sweetheart. Um, and I got really involved in the pro-life movement about three years ago. And so really since the time my daughter was born, I've been heavily involved and it's something that I've decided to dedicate my life to and, you know, helping moms, helping babies, exposing the realities of abortion and really help other people speak up on the issue. Cause like you said, I mean, it's, so controversial. People don't know how to have those conversations. Um, and when you're able to educate yourself and, and, you know, have those conversations, it's so empowering. And so, I mean, really my, that's what my life revolves around my kids and the pro-life movement. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I really, I appreciate your boldness to speak out because I will just go ahead and say, I am not an expert on this issue. And it's something that I felt really kind of just, um, I don't know. I just really feel like I, I haven't done the work and the research to really know how to speak about this topic. And so that's why I'm so glad you're here. Um, and I just am excited to have this conversation because I feel like we just need to start talking about it more. Um, and so maybe for those of us who this is a new topic or we don't have really a full understanding of the issue of abortion. Would you give us like a quick rundown maybe, especially with everything that's been going on with Roe v. Wade and all the things? Yeah. So, oh, that's a lot. So pretty much for those who don't know what abortion is, abortion is a medical procedure that ends the life of a human being inside of the womb. It terminates the pregnancy. And since 1973, when Roe v. Wade legalized, what that did was um, put abortion legal throughout the states. And re recently with Dobbs v. Jackson, um, that has sent the issue of abortion back to the states. So what we're seeing right now is the controversial, you know, between those who are pro-life and pro-choice, um, the arguments of, you know, we need abortion, we don't need abortion. And I mean, it's, it is ingrained into everything. And so to simply say, what is abortion? I mean, Abortion kills lives, but it is so much more than that. And that's why I think so many people need to have these conversations, because when you start speaking about the issue of abortion, I mean, it is ingrained into every single thing in our society, in movies, in literature, um, in school, in healthcare, everything, you know, abortion is a part of. And so we need to be having these conversations what, what is the main argument that you've seen? Like, what has caused so much? division and made this such a controversial issue through the years? Yeah, I think what's really interesting is when you have these conversations, you're always trying to find a middle ground with someone. And so having these conversations with people who are very pro-choice, the middle ground is always, we want the best for women. 
but both sides have different views on what that looks like. And I think that's, that is so controversial because people think women have to have abortion to be liberated, to be empowered. And the opposing side, pro-lifers feel like a woman does not need abortion. It's harmful, it's hurtful, and there's life-affirming resources. So when you're coming, when you're having these conversations, I think the most controversial thing when talking about abortion is like the necessity of it versus like the, the not necessity and the harm of it. And I'm sorry, I've got my, my son here. He's crying. So I'm not sure. But, and then, and, and you know, it, there's so many different like conversation topics when you're talking about abortion, there's rape, there's the mother's health. Um, there's the societal issues, the economic issues, and each one has its own controversial topic, um, like it, surrounding abortion. And so, you know, some big ones I would say are, you know, in cases of rape and in cases of incest or the mother's health and all of those, they're such heavy and sensitive topics. The emotions are high, so that automatically makes it a very controversial, you know, discussion. Definitely. That makes sense. And, you know, I think especially as believers, it's extremely important to understand where we stand on this issue and be able to explain it. And I feel like that's something I've struggled with because kind of what you said, like the middle ground is we want what's best for the woman, but there are so many other pieces to both sides that I can understand. And so I guess for you, what is, what is your thought process, even biblically, like where, where do you find those pieces of truth that have helped you and your stance as a pro-lifer? I think the biggest thing is just the understanding that God is a God of life and we're all his children. And so when you look at it and I understand this isn't necessarily always a religious topic. You have people who are secular and don't want to bring religion into it. But as believers, we know God is a God of life and he loves us and children and human life is so valuable and precious. And it should be the number one thing we are, we are talking about as Christians. Um, because these human lives, God's children are being dismembered in the womb, are being poisoned and starved. And they are our brothers and sisters, and we should do everything to protect them and help them, along with the women who are in crisis that feel that abortion is there, is a need. And I always look back um, on the story of Esther, and she was in a time, you know, where she felt that she needed to protect her people. And, you know, she wasn't allowed to go talk to the king, but she sacrificed so much, and she knew she could lose her life. Yet she still went and talked to the king and ended up saving her people. And if we truly were Christian, if we truly believe that God is a God of love and a God of life, we would do anything. We would sacrifice our own lives to protect his children. And, you know, we see mm -hmm. that a lot. There's, I have a friend right now who is in jail for, for going into a clinic and offering red roses and life affirming resources and five women were turned away because of that. Five babies were saved in the matter of an hour because of her mm. bravery. Now she's in jail because of it. Wow. And not saying that everyone should go to jail or that Christians should be out sacrificing their lives. But even just speaking up, having one conversation with a friend and showing in that conversation, God loves you. God loves these children. Let's come together and let's 
you know, save his children. And, and it really has been a little disheartening to see the apathy in Christians. I think it's very easy for Christians to speak up on something that the world also agrees with. It's very easy to Christ, for mm. Christians to speak up um, when it came to George Floyd and um, LGBTQ, which I think, yes, we should be protecting all of God's children. But then when it comes to the issue of abortion, it's silent because it's so controversial and you are hated because of it. But Christ also said, the world hated me first. And because of that, they will also hate you. If you if you love me, if you follow me, the world is also going to hate you. And and that's it's a hard thing to do, but it's so nece- necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're so right. It's one thing to speak up when it's easy and something everybody is speaking up about. But when it's something where you really... The, the potential for backlash is high to be able mm-hmm. to be bold and to speak truth. Even when you're going to be rejected, you're going to have people coming at you with every kind of argument. Like it's not as easy. And I get it. I've been silent because I just haven't even known what to say. And it's scary to think like, okay, if I speak my opinions or my beliefs about this, I'm going to lose followers or lose friends or people aren't going to agree with me. But it's like, you know what? At the end of the day, And I'm glad you mentioned this too. Like abortion is just one piece of a much bigger issue. There's so many other things that are connected and tied to it, like all kinds of issues that contribute to the people who, whose view of abortion is a necessity. And so would you kind of speak to that? Like, what are some of the contributing factors that have kind of made this a little bit of a murky conversation? Um, well, you know, I mean, we can even just look, for example, right after the Dobbs decision, huge companies came out and said they are going to start paying for abortion travel. So we look at Amazon, um, phone providers, things that like we use every single day. Banks are paying their employees to travel to kill their children. And so in a society for us, if we are spending our money on Amazon, that is directly impacting a woman's right to choose. You know, that directly is is supporting a company that is in support of abortion. So that's just one aspect. You know, so much of the companies we use in the industries are involved in donating and funding abortion. Um, we have different states and governors who have, you know, said we are going to make the state a abortion sanctuary. So California is an abortion sanctuary. When you fly into California, your tax dollars, what you spend your money on could be going to helping kill children. And that's something that we have to navigate in our own lives of what are we going to support and what are we not? Are we going to continue to use these companies? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Planned Parenthood, when it was founded by Margaret Sanger, you know, she was dedicated, and she said in her own words, that her goal was to exterminate the Negro population. And I don't think a lot of people understand how Mm. Planned Parenthood actually is, and that these clinics are placed in minority areas, strategically in minority areas. And, Mm. you know, that's fulfilling her desires of of making the race a more perfect race, is how how she talked. And so... We see these big blue checkmark accounts talking about how abortion is needed and for the poor communities and the minority communities who can't survive without it. 
when we, you peel back the layers, you realize what they're saying is we need to kill these children um, because they're poor. And so, I mean, we just see it engraved into everything from the very beginning. It is, it's strategically placed in media and schools and the sex education, you know, condoms are being passed out to 10 year olds. And if you're teaching them how to have sex and then right after that, teaching them, it's okay, you can then just go get an abortion. You know, kids are raised from when they're little at school to know I can have sex. I know how to have sex, but then if I get pregnant, I can just get an abortion because it's just a clump of cells. So it's, it's ingrained in us from mm. a tiny little from everything around us. Yeah. And that's so crazy. I didn't know that about Planned Parenthood either. And I think that's something really important to note is like even the places they're positioned, it's, it's all thought through. Like there's ulterior motives there. And um, it's just, that's just crazy to me. That's mind blowing, but it makes sense. And I think something when I've been processing through this for myself is really like, well, how on the preventative side can we take better care of these vulnerable people? Because we're dealing with like the end of all these consequences that are not just a person's actions of having sex, but so many other factors that are contributing to why are they even getting to that point? Like, are they lacking support from family? Do they not have any other op? They feel like they don't have any other options. Like there's so many other things leading up to that point. And so how can we better care for vulnerable people in our communities and do that preventative work? Like, do you have any thoughts about that? I think first we have to change the way we talk about life. I think we have to completely reconstruct how we speak about life. I mean, life is so dehumanized. Mm. People are so, I mean, the violence and the evil in the world, we first have to change. And that happens in our homes. If, you know, if we can start teaching our children from the time that they're born, that life is valuable and the realities of abortion. Mm. I mean, I think that would, would be a good stepping stone. And of course there's a lot of, you know, families who aren't supportive and, and that's where, you know, we need these resources and programs to come into play to support these young girls and to support, you know, these women and these families who are struggling. And what's interesting to take about just a little bit, when you talked about, you know, these Planned Parenthoods and like strategically placed, there are, they're called federally qualified health centers. And there are three times the amount of these centers than Planned Parenthoods. And they offer, I mean, 10 times what Planned Parenthood offers real health care. And, you know, they are, they're based on a sliding scale. And so, you know, when people speak, well, we have to have abortion or Planned Parenthood, even if they don't offer abortion, women won't have health care. And that's, it's such a lie. There are so many resources. There are so many programs, some that are federally um, funded and some that aren't. Um, that truly offer these life affirming resources and you know pregnancy mm-hmm. resource centers. There are over I think twenty six hundred around the country that offer physical help, financial help, emotional help, post abortive healing. Um, but it's not talked about, mm-hmm. and resources you know aren't being broadcasted on the news. What's being broadcasted is Planned Parenthood is healthcare. They provide help. And so if we can really get this information out and start supporting these places that offer those nine nonviolent resources, I think these women will see there is help for me. I do not have to turn to Planned Parenthood. Oftentimes you hear mm. they felt 
option. And why is that? It's because it's not being talked about enough. It's not, these resources aren't, you know, known because people aren't talking about it. So women really feel abortion was her only option. And then she finds out months later it wasn't. And then she is stuck with that grief and that pain forever. Gosh, yeah, that's so true. And I know that you've had conversations with a lot of people who have either had abortions or been in the position where they could have, but didn't. And what has your experience been with, with those people? I mean, it's heartbreaking. Like it, the amount of women that I've talked to that have said, I didn't know, I didn't know. And now they are grieving their child that was lost to abortion for the rest of their life. And I mean, I don't Mm. even really have words other than it is, it's heart shattering because these are real women that made a decision that they have to live with. And while there are, of course, resources and there's healing and there is forgiveness, and that's a huge thing to help these women see that you can, you're forgiven. You can, you can heal. There is forgiveness in Christ, but the pain is still real. And, um, and on the other side where women who, you know, I work with these women every day who are abortion minded and even have abortion appointments set. And then they find that there are other resources. The relief that they feel is amazing. I mean, they feel like, oh my gosh, this burden is off of my shoulders. I thought I had to go through with an abortion. Even Mm -hmm. if they believe it's just a clump of cells somewhere deep down, you know, that is a child that is my baby. That is a, there's a life inside of me. Um, and it's, it's relief when they realize there's help and it's not just, we're not just throwing diapers at her and saying, good luck. The pro-life movement really cares and is dedicated to helping them from, from pregnancy and on throughout her entire motherhood journey. And, you know, it's a relief for women when they see the real resources for them. It's amazing. Yeah, I I agree. I wish that was something that was talked about more. And honestly, as as the church, as the body, I wish we were better at being the ones who were on the forefront of offering those resources to these vulnerable and hurting women. I cannot imagine being in that position. I mean, I've experienced sexual abuse and and I cannot imagine these women that are then in that position of being pregnant and either feeling pressure from people to get an abortion or feeling like it's their only option and the shame that they must feel like, like you said, heart shattering. I cannot even fathom what that must be like, but I, I just want to continue learning to be better because I want to be able to better help and support those women. And so I appreciate that about what you do and having the conversations with people, even that have different opinions than you, because I feel like that's a huge part of the solution is just having those conversations with people, letting them know that there is love, there is grace, there's forgiveness in Christ. And I feel like we should be better doing a better job of being the ones who are readily offering that to people. The other side is really, really loud. I mean, you get on social media and one of the first things you see is probably going to be something about abortion, about pro-choice. It's just everywhere. And that side is so loud And how disheartening for women who feel like I need another option and to feel the only thing that they are hearing is abortion is right, it's normal, it's healthcare. If they do not hear the other side, if they do not see the support from the other side, of course they're going to think abortion is their only option. And they're not going to know there's healing. And I I believe it's 40% of women who have had an abortion were attending church in the time 
in the same month that they had an abortion. Maybe it's more, maybe I'm getting wow. wrong, but a large number of women who are getting abortions were also going to church that week, that month. And I can't imagine sitting in church after having an abortion and feeling the grief and the pain and it's not being talked about. And the church is, I mean, I know there mm-hmm. are some, but for the most part, the church is silent. I can say I've never once heard abortion talked about in my in my congregation. And I can't imagine for these women who are sitting with the pain and the grief to feel like I need help, I need resources, I need healing. And all they hear is abortion's normal, abortion is healthcare. And if anything, that is why we should be more vocal. Of, there are women that are suffering and in pain and we need to help them. Yes, absolutely. And with that too, you know, when when I'm hearing all of these opinions and arguments, a big one that I keep coming uh, that keeps coming up is, okay, well, you pro-lifers care so much about a baby like not being aborted, but then the child is born, and then what? Like, can you speak to that perspective? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they fully understand the pro-life movement then, because there are thousands and thousands of pro-life individuals that continue to love that baby and would be happy if the mother doesn't want a parent, would adopt that baby, would love that baby, would do anything for that child and the mom. And so, I mean, of course, a very common argument is if you love the babies, why, what about the foster care system? And, you know, these are sensitive topics, but I think an important thing to remember is you, you do not have to finance someone's needs to know what's wrong to kill them. Um, to hurt them. It would be the same if I were to say, you know, if, if you, you know, to, to someone who speaks out against rape, if you're so against rape, how many women have you prevented from getting raped? You do not have to fix world issues to know it's wrong to hurt an innocent human being. And so, I mean, when it comes to, if you love these babies in the womb, why don't you care about them after they're born? I mean, that's just a lie. And if you were involved in service and volunteering at all with these women in crisis, you would see that. And, you know, when I have these conversations with people and they say, well, what do you do? Well, you know what? I can list off a whole long list of everything I do on my own dime for women and babies every single day. Um, but it's really hard for them to tell me what they do. And it's it's mm-hmm. it's a way to justify, I feel, in, in pushing off responsibility. And I mean, I know that's it's just the truth. It's not a, it's not a fun thing for them to hear, but, and we do need to be better though. Pro-lifers need to be more dedicated throughout the journey of motherhood. Sometimes it does stop and that is an issue we need to fix. However, that is not the common denominator. We are continually supporting and helping. And I just don't think they see that. That makes sense. And and really, that just gives me a sense of urgency as somebody who believes in in the beauty and power and God's love for life, mm-hmm. because so many people, believers or not, like whoever is is a pro life person, we're being silent and we're missing our responsibility. Mm-hmm to care for these vulnerable women and hurting women. And so I think that's a huge missing piece that could be if we like if we were showing up more caring mm-hmm. for these people, then I feel like it it would be easier for them to trust that we really want to be there the whole process and not just for this one piece that we disagree with them on, you know? Right. Yeah, and I mean it can be as simple it doesn't have 
be this, you are financially supporting this woman from birth until that child is 18 years old. If that's what you choose to do, great. That's still needed. These women still need financial help. Um, but it can be as simple as taking a meal into a woman, offering to babysit, um, giving free child care for her children while she has to go to work. There are so many ways we can get creative to help these women. And it's not just one way. You know, everyone has a way to, to help these women, but find in your neighborhood a single mom. I mean, if, if I could tell anyone anything to do today, go and find a single mom in your neighborhood, bring her a meal and offer to babysit her for her kids for two hours. I mean, does that change her entire life? Does that change her financial situation or the crises that she's in? No, but it does lend a, a loving and helpful hand where she will draw on that forever. And then you start to build a relationship with her to where she feels like, okay, I can start to breathe again. It's so, I mean, it's little simple things like that, that we can do that can lift these women that need us. Absolutely. And I love that because in such a huge complex issue, such as abortion, I think it's easy to overcomplicate all the rest of it as well. But like you said, it can be our, our action can be as simple as just bringing a meal, offering support, childcare, financial support, whatever it may be. And so I love that. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something where I've felt totally unequipped. It's like, well, what can I even do? Mm -hmm. But that makes sense. And I've even had conversations with friends of mine who are fostering and that's how they're showing their support in other ways. And it's like, wow, like I can even send her coffee money, like yeah. support her, support the other people who are, are doing the work in ways that I may not have the capacity to do right now, but there are so many options. And so I, I love that you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, are there any myths or misconceptions that you wish people were more clear about when it comes to abortion and, and the pro-life movement? So many, <laughs> so many. <laughs> Um, a big one right now that we're seeing after the Dobbs decision that sent abortion back to the states are all of these misconceptions and myths that this um, impacts treatment for ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages. And that's something we are seeing across the board that couldn't be further from the truth. This has nothing to do with ectopic pregnancies and the treatment of those are not an abortion. This will, I mean, the treatment for ectopic pregnancies will never be banned. You know, those women will die. There is zero chance of saving that life inside of the fallopian. You know, that, that baby will never develop and grow and will die and can kill the mother. And so even if, hypothetically, there was something that was going to ban treatment of ectopic pregnancies, the pro-lifers would be the first people to fight against that and make sure that that didn't pass. Um, because we're, we don't want women to die. We're not these crazy people who are like, you just have to suffer with a pregnancy, even if it's in the fallopian tube. It's not true. Mm -hmm. And with miscarriages, you know, they're talking about how, you know, some treatment for miscarriage for a baby who doesn't pass naturally is a DNC procedure, which is also an abortion procedure, but the intention behind it is what matters. You know, it, a miscarriage, a DNC for miscarriage treatment, that baby has already unfortunately passed and is already dead inside of the womb. And so removing that is not the same as going in and killing the live baby that's inside of the womb and removing it. And so 
it's been a very heated topic right now. And it's, it's hard because you see all these women who have had miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies and they feel a lot of fear. Um, cause they feel if this were to happen again, I would just die. Like I would have to have a dead baby inside of me. I would go to jail because of that. And that's, it's not the case. It never will be. But this misinformation that's being shared is, is really harmful for these women. And just, is really just an outright lie. There's no legislation. There's nothing anywhere that you can find that shows those things are banned. And so, I mean, I'd say that's like the number one thing that we're, we're dealing with right now and trying to correct and educate people on. Totally. That makes sense. I've, I've heard so many conversations about that as well, but it makes sense. The intention behind it being the determining factor, because it's just, yeah, people can get so caught up in that and the circumstances are just completely different. So yeah, glad you brought some clarity to that for sure. Um, would you talk to us about what you do with Heartbeat Box? Yeah, of course. So about three years ago, I don't know, have you ever seen the movie Unplanned, the story of Abby Johnson? No. Okay, you should watch it. It's an incredible movie. Um, she was a clinic director at Planned Parenthood, and she oversaw many, many abortions. Um, and so I was watching this movie and after watching the movie, I just felt this pull of like, I need to help these women who are in pain. I, I've been pro-life for most of my life. I kind of went through a, a pro-choice stage in my teenage years and after some stuff that I experienced, but I, I feel like I've always understood abortion was wrong. And so after watching this movie, I saw the pain that women go through and felt that they needed something you know, support, love from their community. And so I just decided that I wanted to send boxes of essential items to moms who were choosing life over abortion. And I I told myself, if I can just send out at least five boxes, if I can help at least five moms, like I'll, I'll feel pretty good about that. And I mean, I've now sent out probably over 300 boxes to moms who have been in, I mean, think of any circumstance, rape, incest, young teenage moms, moms who have been kicked out of their homes, women whose husbands have left them because they won't get an abortion. I mean, every single situation. And these women are so brave and choose life. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so um, I, I connect them with resource centers in their area. We've helped them find housing, find cars, financial support, and then the actual box that I send out is full of diapers, wipes, baby clothes, um, hygiene kits, bottles, binkies, pretty much everything that she needs for the first couple weeks of her child's life. And it doesn't change, it doesn't change her life forever. You know, this is not a fix all, but it is something I've seen that provides a little bit of hope and support. And for women who really are questioning if they should get an abortion or not receiving this box, with baby outfits and being able to see this is what my baby will wear has helped them realize I want this baby. And, and then, you know, I continue to support them and send follow-up boxes and it's not just one box and done. And for the women who, who want to continue in contact, you know, I've set up Amazon registries and the Perla community behind this is incredible. The things that, you know, my followers have been able to provide for these women is I mean, it's like breathtaking to watch. It's incredible to mm-hmm. see the support that strangers have for these women that are in need. That is so amazing. And again, just such a, a simple way for people to be involved in supporting you and doing that 
I think it's so cool to see how your community has rallied behind that and just taking action where they're able, when they're able with what they're able to. I think that's so special. So before we go, I would love to hear your thoughts. If you have any tips for having conversations with pro-choicers or people who have differing opinions or questions, things like that. I think have compassion for them. A lot of times they don't even understand what abortion is. So many times I've been having conversations with people that they don't even understand what an abortion procedure looks like. So I think before, you know, getting into these conversations, we need to educate ourselves first so that we fully understand what we are defending and, and why we believe that way. Um, but truly having compassion for these women. You never know their experience. You never know if they have been raped and conceived a child and they truly felt that they could not go through with that pregnancy. If they're post-abortive, if their sister had an abortion, if they just had a miscarriage, you know, we don't know the pain that they are experiencing and we should be compassionate more than anything. I um, was at the Supreme Court when they dropped the reversal of Roe which it was such a celebratory day. I mean, the emotions were so high. It was a beautiful experience to be a part of. But when I looked at, to the other side of the pro-choicers, and when they heard that abortion was being back to the States, the like grief and the pain that, and seriously, I mean, the wailing that I witnessed, their pain was real. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to recognize like, they have their own beliefs just as strong as we do. As much as I believe abortion is wrong, they believe abortion is right. And, you know, that pain and grief that these women are feeling is real and we need to be sensitive to that. Now, that doesn't mean to be apathetic mm. to the choice of abortion and apathetic to the, to the cause because someone might be hurt by hearing that abortion is wrong. But we do need to be compassionate of these women are real women with real emotions, real pain, and probably real abortion stories that we don't even know about. Yeah, that's so good. I love that because I really do think that all the arguing and division and hate coming from both sides, it's just not going to get us anywhere and it's not beneficial and it doesn't help our cause to love life. And so the work that you're doing and your approach to it, I think is really beautiful and special and just such an example to me and to so many people who want to learn to do better and to love these women better and anyone who is affected. So thank you so, so much for what you're doing and for your own story and just the work that you're doing every single day. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been a blessing and it's, it's not easy. And when I, when I say like, just be compassionate, I mean, there are times where you have to set those boundaries. I mean, the amount of threats and hatred I've received against me and my children and my husband, those are things you have to set boundaries against and you have to be, you know, you can't just take the hatred and the pain. So I think there is a balance of as being compassionate, but also standing up for yourself and realizing some people are in it just to be hurtful and harmful and, you know, to wish horrible things upon you. And at that point, you know, I think it's important that you also are kind, but, you know, you can set that boundary. But it's been a beautiful thing to witness and to see the hearts and minds change of, of women that I thought, oh, they will forever be pro-abortion. 
and to watch their hearts and their minds change as they realize the realities of abortion and they see the real help that's available. It's pretty incredible to see. That is really cool. Man, well, where can everybody connect with you, learn more, get involved with Heartbeat Box and all the things from here? Thank you. Um, my personal Instagram is live.cowin, L-I-V dot C-O-W-I-N. And then pretty much everything with the Heartbeat Box is at the Heartbeat Box. So my website is at theheartbeatbox.com. Instagram is at the Heartbeat Box. And there is, um, you know, so much need right now, especially as women are being faced with these unplanned pregnancies and abortion is restricted in their states. They need the support and love. And so, you know, reach out to me if you know of women, if you, you know, if you want to help, if you want to help, you know, get the word out. It's so appreciated. Absolutely. Well, seriously, you guys go and follow Olivia, join her and be a part of what she's doing. I think like she said, now is the time to take action more than ever. There are hurting women who need our help and support and love. So thank you again for what you're doing. And I am just excited to continue watching your journey and the impact you're having. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune into another episode of the ByWords show. I love having you here and I'm so thankful for your support. Don't forget to share a screenshot of this episode to let me know you were here. I can't wait to talk again soon, but in the meantime, be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram and remember I am cheering you on.